We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and I will just read it. You can follow along on the screen. It'll be behind me up there. It says, But the Lord reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everybody everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer is born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. You are good. Um, Lord, we just ask that you would speak directly to our hearts this morning and that as a result of being gathered together here today and uh, hearing your word, we would leave this place different. Um, Lord, just speak directly to our spirit this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Okay. I'm not going to take long this morning. Uh, I just want to just share with you this morning the story and hopefully give us some new ears to hear. There's a sense in which the very first Christmas was the culmination of, of what I'm going to call this morning um, the God's going to do it anyway plan. Um, and if, if you want to, you can follow along um, on the backside of your handout this morning. There is notes. If you need some of those, just raise your hands, put your hands up in the air, and we'll try to get some of those to you. Um, but God just decided that he was going to do something. And when God decides um, God's going to do something, God does something. <laughs> and one of the challenges of reading the Bible, especially depending on how you are introduced to the Bible, is that we have a tendency um, to read it devotionally, which uh, is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, you know, I want to find something that speaks to me or addresses my issue or makes me a promise or solves my problem. But the beauty of Christianity and the most amazing thing about you know, this belief that we hold to as, as, as a church. And it's, it's not a specific verse and not even a specific story. It's the story arc. And, and it's the epic, almost unimaginable, almost too good to be true story that is the story of our redemption and our salvation and the salvation of the world. And it's God's gonna do it anyway story because God decided he was gonna do it anyway. And so the story in some ways begins 2,000 years before the birth of Christ, the man named Abraham that we've all heard of. And the reason that we've all heard of him, this is kind of interesting, is that God told Abraham, if you remember, I'm going to make your name great. And whenever I preach about Abraham, I like to say, if I remember, hey, before you got here today, have any of you heard of Abraham? And everybody in the room will raise their hands. All the hands go up. Well, God didn't lie, did he? And, and he'd tell Abraham, you know, I'm going to make your name great. And 2,000 years later, everybody around the world knows who he is. So that happened. But start, um, starting with Abraham, God began the story that would ultimately culminate in the story of Christmas 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus. And so God said to Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have a family that's going to become a nation. And through you, I'm going to bless all the families and all the nations on the earth. And this made no sense to Abraham because there weren't any nations at the time, and there weren't that many families that he knew of either. You only traveled about 25 miles from home during your whole life in his time. And so the whole idea of nations or tribes or families blessing other nations or tribes or families, this is unheard of because tribes generally 
if there were any, they raided each other. They stole from each other. They kidnapped each other's women so their sons would have, you know, someone to marry. And so from time to time, they would make a treaty. But even, even that was a selfish treaty to protect a group of families from another group of families. And so the whole idea that God was going to do something through Abraham that was going to bless the whole world, it was unheard of. And, but as the story begins... God's going to do it anyway. And so God decided to do it in spite of Abraham with Abraham. And Abraham didn't always cooperate, if you know the story, but God went ahead anyway. In fact, the whole story of the Old Testament leading up to the birth of Christ is God choosing and using imperfect people all along the way. In every single part, everybody in the story at some part believed and then they disbelieved. They, they would behave and then they would misbehave. And this is right up all the way up to the announcement of Jesus' birth who made and, and, and when, when it was made and when Jesus was born. So now with Luke, the beginning of Luke's gospel is so interesting. He said, I have thoroughly investigated everything and talked to all the eyewitnesses to put together this orderly account. And so when Luke begins the story of the birth of Jesus, interestingly enough, he doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph. He doesn't begin with Bethlehem. He begins with someone that no one had heard of for the most part. And no one um, would have ever heard of, perhaps, unless Luke had told us this story. And he begins with an unknown priest named Zechariah. And this is hard to get our minds around, but Zechariah was one of between 18 and 20,000 priests that worked in the temple during his time. That the temple was such this big complex and there was so much going on, it took 18,000 to 20,000 basically employees to keep the temple operating. And Zechariah was one of these priests. And it, and it just so happened, according to Luke, that Zechariah received a really high honor. This, this honor that he was chosen, he was chosen by lot. He was chosen randomly, not by merit, to be able to go into the temple all alone and present an offering of incense in the Holy of Holies. So it's a big honor. This is a really big deal. It was a really big deal because the only way you got to do this, basically, they cast lots. And so there was so many priests, most of the priests in their entire lifetime would never have the opportunity to do this. So this professionally, this was the best day in Zachariah's life. And so he goes into the temple and he's standing before the curtain behind which is the Holy of Holies. There's an altar. Everybody else is outside. And while he's in there, Luke tells us that an angel appeared to Zechariah to the right-hand side of the altar of incense. And he says, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. You and Elizabeth are going to have a baby. Now, he and his wife had never had children, um, and they had prayed, and they had prayed, and they had prayed for children. And here the angel Gabriel says, you're going to have a child. It's going to be a son. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you what to name him. <laughs> you're going to name him John. Well, this is incredible. I mean... It was already the best day of his life, right? He's, he's already, you know, in the Holy of Holies. He's burning the incense. Now he's gotten the best news he could possibly hear as an older man who has never had children. And this was his response in the story where God decided to do it anyway. He said, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is, and then he catches himself, well along in years. <laughs> 
So he doubts, and he, he can't figure this out. And what happens next is really humorous. And what, what happens next is the angel Gabriel is probably thinking, what do you mean you can't be sure of this? I, I love this next statement. He just says, I am Gabriel. Seriously, I mean, you're standing in the temple. An angel has appeared to you and has made you a promise, and you need more information, right? And so Gabriel says this. It says, now you will be silent. Took his voice away. You will be silent and you will not be able to speak until the day that this happens. Because in spite of your doubt and in spite of your confusion and in spite of your lack of faith, in spite of your questions, God's going to do it anyway. He's going to do it anyway. God is on the move in history in Zechariah. God chose you out of the 18 to 20,000 priests. So you're not going to be able to speak until the day that this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true in spite of your lack of faith. And they will come true at the appointed time. Because God has chosen this time to enter history in a way that will change the world forever. God is going to do it. Anyway, God is going to bless you in spite of you. And so now, meanwhile, all the folks on the outside, they're gathered outside the temple and they're praying and they're waiting for Zachariah to come out and say, hey, let's go on with the day's business because this sacrifice thing happened, this incense burning happened at the beginning of the day and then it happened at the end of the day. So they're waiting and they're waiting. This should only be a few minutes and Zachariah isn't coming out and they're thinking, should we go in there and look for him? Uh, Zechariah didn't come out, he didn't come out, but when he comes out, the text says that when he came out, he could not speak to them. So you can imagine the scene is a little humorous then too. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs, but he remained unable to speak. He's trying to describe to them what happened and he can't talk. And, and then of course, Luke doesn't tell us this part, but I'm thinking all the priests are on the outside and they're like, well, maybe you should go in there. Well, I'm not going in there because who wants to go into the temple? Nobody knows what happened in there, but they know something had happened as a result of whatever happened. Zechariah can't talk. And so he finishes duty and he goes home. And of course, Zechariah can't stop thinking about what happened and that God has promised Elizabeth, a child, a son, and they're to name him John. And at some point, he gives Elizabeth that look. And she says, I am well along in years, <laughs> right? Seriously? But sure enough, she gets pregnant. And they, and they kept their pregnancy a secret. They kept it secret for five months. But God was on the move. And, and I, love, I love this. At the appointed time, is the last scripture that we just read, and it says, ready or not, Believe it or not, here I come. Ready or not, believe it or not, cooperate or not, here I come. The text goes on and Luke says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin who was to be married, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was, does anybody know? So isn't it interesting that all over the world today, in languages that you haven't even heard of, in hundreds of countries and nations that you might not have heard of, villages and towns and big cities and small cities, that all over the world today, in just about every language and about every country, there are people that could fill in that blank right there. Uh, a peasant girl 
from nowhere, a peasant girl that lived at a time when Judea was considered the armpit of the Roman Empire, and everybody knows her name, and they know her name because of what happened. According to Luke's account, the virgin's name was in fact Mary, and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, literally, you who are an object of God's grace. You who God chose, not because of anything you've done, but because of, not because of anything you promised to do, just like he chose Abraham, just like he chose Zechariah. God has chosen you, Mary, and because he's chosen you, you are an object of his grace. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you in this very unimportant village at this unimportant time in history, in this unimportant region of the world, a region of the world inhabited by Hebrews and Jewish people and Galileans and people from all the surrounding cities uh, who thought that maybe God had a plan for the nations of Israel, they, that God had promised a king to Israel, and it seemed like God had abandoned his promise and that God would never be active in history anymore. Uh, there was a time of, of a silent period, right? And God had left Israel behind is the way a lot of people felt at the time. But it says at the appointed time, God shows up in history to fulfill his promise. And he's going to do it anyway. And Mary, like any of us would have been, was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, as angels said to anyone that they ever appeared to, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. And if she had stopped the angel and said, why me? I'm guessing the angel would have said, well, it's, you know, it's not really about you. It's not really about Abraham. It's not really about any of the characters in the story. This is about God doing what God wants to do on behalf of the human race. But you have been favored. You have been chosen for this moment. And so then the news that she would never, probably never fully comprehend, he says, you will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high, which in her education as a young Jewish girl, she knew this was a promise that her son would be Messiah, the Holy One. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom, his kingdom that Jesus would introduce, his kingdom will never come to an end. But of course, she had questions like any of us would have questions. And here it is again, a question that's not exactly doubt. But it's certainly curiosity, but there probably has to be some doubt too, just like Zachariah, just like Abraham, just like anyone God uses. But how? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her question, and he said, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, I want to say one thing about this before we move on with the story. And I realize that perhaps for you, the virgin birth is a non-starter. Um, the virgin birth is, you know, th this, that's where the story ends for me. If, it, if to become a Jesus follower, I have to believe in a first century virgin birth, then I just can't get there. And you know what? I completely understand that 
if that's where you're coming from. And that's why I want to pause and just talk about this for just a minute. Here's something that you wouldn't know unless you understood the story arc of the New Testament. And so when Luke wrote this, Jesus had already lived his life. He had already been crucified. He had already been raised from the dead. The church had been launched. And the church was launched not around the story of a virgin birth, The church was launched around the incident and the event and the eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. By the time Luke wrote this gospel, there were tens of thousands of believers. And there were already Christians in the Gentile world around the Mediterranean Rim as a result of this massive missionary effort of the Apostle Paul. So the point being this, the point being this, that the message of Christianity did not need a story of a virgin birth to gain traction. It, it already had. If, if anything, a story like this would make the story of Jesus less credible and less believable, not more credible and not more believable. So nowhere in the Gospels, isn't it interesting that do we find anybody placing their faith in Jesus when they found out he was virgin born? In fact, the interesting thing is this. Mark, Peter, John, Paul, none of them even mention it. So the question is this, why would Luke include this piece of narrative that the other gospel writers didn't include? Why would Luke give us all this detail around how Jesus was born? Why would he tell us if he knew that this would be a stumbling block for many people, especially Jewish people, especially people that abandoned you know, pagan worship because so much of this kind of reflected around and sounded a bit like what the pagans believed about their gods. God somehow cohabitating with a human that this was, this was so non-Jewish and this was so pagan. This would make the story less believable, not more believable. So even if Luke had, has heard this story, as he said, he's collaborated with you know, all these witnesses, why, why would he include it if it doesn't help the case of the story of Jesus of Nazareth? And the answer is very simple, because Luke tells us at the beginning of his gospel, many, many, remember, many have undertaken to give you an account of what has happened here among us. But I have, I have tried to put together with the best research a chronological story of the life and the teaching of Jesus. And the reason this is included is because in his doctoral standpoint is it happened. He, it happened. He, he heard it from many witnesses. This is what happened. The angel continues and says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. And the angel's not quite as diplomatic as Zechariah, and he says, in her old age, uh, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For, and I love this phrase, for no word, no word from God will ever fail. Ready or not, believe it or not, here he comes. And Mary gives the perfect response. It's a famous response, not based on her understanding of how this would roll out, but based on her confidence in who was behind it. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At Christmas, for many of us, we're simply reminded that God's going to do it anyway. At Christmas, perhaps you need to hear this, that God's going to do it. He's going to do it anyway. But it's the why behind the what 
that makes the story so compelling. And John captured it for us perfectly. He was standing there listening to Jesus as an adult, talk to Nicodemus as they went back and forth, as this very educated man was trying to get his mind around who Jesus was. And John and his gospel interrupts and he says, let me clarify it for you because I'm on the other side of the resurrection. And he says, for God so loved. If you want to know why God decided to do it anyway, if you want to know why God picked and chose men and women and pieced together this epic narrative and ultimately resulted in the salvation of mankind, and if you want to know why, here's why. For God so loved the world that he gave at Christmas his one and only son that whosoever would place their confidence and trust in him, that whosoever would believe in him would not be far from God. They would not be lost to God. They would not perish, but have eternal life. And at Christmas, we're reminded that God is gonna do it anyway because God loves you anyway. He loves you when you don't behave. He loves you until you do behave. And God loves you if you never behave. He loves you when you don't believe. He loves you until you do believe. And as we've seen throughout the story of scripture, God will love you if you never believe. So eventually, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have their son. And as the angel instructed, they named him John. And later he steps onto the pages of history as John the Baptist. And about six months later, Mary and Joseph have their baby as well. And he would step onto the pages of history as Jesus of Nazareth. And this is how it happened. I'm going to read to you um, the story from Luke 2. And we're not going to put it up on the screen. And I want you to just hear it. Um, with fresh ears this morning. I just want you to listen. And uh, when we finish, we're going we're gonna to end with a time of worship, and I'll invite you to stand and, and continue our worship this morning. days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Luke takes this moment to pinpoint where in history we find this story. Uh, This was the first census that took place while uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was forced to go to their own town to register for the census. So Joseph He went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger 
because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And as is always the case, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, you do not need to be afraid because I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find your baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Peace to you on whom his favor rests. Peace to you on whom his favor rests. Ready or not, believe it or not, God sent his son into this world for me and for you.